Father, thank you so much for this morning. We do praise you. We do adore you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to you, the circle of love, be all the glory and praise and honor and wisdom and strength and wealth. We give you the glory. As we come this morning, Lord, we just pray that you'll open our hearts to receive what you have for us in this Christmas season when we remember what you did for us. And we just pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to receive it in a way that it might transform us to being more like you. Pray for all of those in this room who are suffering, whatever it might be. May you come and surround their hearts and minds with your peace. We pray, Lord, for those who are sick and ailing in pain. And we just pray, Lord, that you would surround them and fill them and heal them as we claim the words of the prophet that by your stripes we're healed. And I pray, Lord, for those in this room who are struggling in relationships of some kind. Whatever that struggle with whomever it is, I just pray that you would infuse them with your love. May they trust in you with all of their heart, leaning not on their own understanding. I pray that they might acknowledge you in all of their ways so that you can make the path straight. Pray, Lord, that they might find reconciliation, not in demanding, but in giving. Not in claiming their rights, but in surrendering them. Not in demanding forgiveness, but in forgiving. And Lord, help us. Yeah, help us to embrace the true spirit of what you did on that first Christmas and help us to see it this morning. As we pray, the words you taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good. You may be seated. We actually uh, are blessed this morning. We're going to have uh, some young people help us minister to us in the service. And the first thing I've got, I think we've got Aliana and... Hadley, coming up. Oh, yep, coming up to read some scripture. Come on up, ladies. Get this turned on. And the first one is Philippians chapter 2. Is that what you've got, Eliana? Go ahead. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, Philippians 2, verse 5 through 7. 
Thank you. And go ahead. And Hanley, go ahead. And you're going to read from us from Luke 2. And there were the shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is a Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Yes, you go ahead. Way to go. And our young people are going to continue to minister to us at the end of the service as well. So thank you for everyone who's come and volunteered to be a part of that. I was five years old, and it was my first major lesson in what Christmas is about. I was at Christmas Eve, and my family was going to be at Grandma Golly and Grandpa Speck's house on Christmas Day. I have, my grandparents had the coolest nicknames. I had Grandma Golly and Grandpa Speck, and my dad, dad's parents were Hump and Toots. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, we're at Grandma Golly and Grandpa Speck's that year, and they, Grandpa, Grandma Golly and Grandpa Speck lived on the east side of Des Moines, so it was just a short drive. So they had me and I think my sister overnight on Christmas Eve, and then my parents and our older brothers were going to join us on Christmas Day. And I can still picture it. They had this Christmas tree that always stood in this, the big picture window in the living room. And they had the, the little silver tinsel that hung over the brand. Anybody remember that? And they had the big colored lights, and it was just magical. And I remember I was kind of quiet. I don't even remember where everybody was. Uh, but I found myself alone in the, the living room. And I was just checking out the Christmas tree because it was stunning to my little five-year-old eyes. And then I noticed that in the, the branches of the Christmas tree, there was an envelope. And I knew my name. I knew, could spell my name, so I knew that was mine. And I opened and peeked in the envelope, and there was money. And there were other envelopes on the tree. And I don't know what possessed me at five years old, but I took every envelope. <laughs> and I snuck back to the bedroom where I was staying. We had this, this square little suitcase thing that, that had my pajamas in it. And I opened up that suitcase and there was this little elastic pocket in the back of the suitcase. And I just stuck them in there. And the next day, we got to opening the gifts. And, of course, you got all the gifts, the presents open. And then Grandma started going, well, where, well, where's all the envelopes? So Grandma Golly starts looking through the branches. And she's like, well, I know they were here. And my mom's like going, well, maybe did you leave them in your purse? Oh, no. and, and I was just like Ralphie in a Christmas story. <laughs> no, nothing about it. Of course, my great uh, criminal caper was doomed because at five years old, I forgot that mom always unpacks the suitcase. <laughs> so that night, my little backside was as red as Rudolph's nose, and I had to make a tearful 
confession over the phone to grandma and grandpa. And it was, it was, it was my first lesson in what Christmas is and what Christmas isn't. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, thank you for the young ladies reading this morning. But if you've got your Bible, I want you to, if you would, take a look at Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to really focus in on verses 5 through 7. <laughs> it says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, so first, first point here is that Jesus didn't use, he didn't claim what was rightfully his. The word there in the Greek is harpagamos, and it's the only place in Scripture that that form of the verb is used anywhere. And scholars say that it is a lot like, um, a lot like the spoils of war. It's a lot like the, you know, a pirate's booty. Like this is mine. I can claim it. I have seized it, and I'm claiming it as my own. It's like me at five years old thinking that that possession is nine tenths of the law. <laughs> if I have the money in my suitcase, it must be mine. Well, it wasn't. But Christ, Christ in the circle of love, because we've been studying that the last couple of years, haven't we? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the circle of love. That this divine dance, the perichoresis in which the three of them exist, each one part of the other, each one wholly the other, in this really, this really amazing, beautiful word picture of what it means to be one. And yet three. You know, remember the old hymn, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Well, this is kind of like that, only it's just the reverse. We sing that when it's somebody's going to die and go to heaven, and we're looking forward to going back to heaven. But with the circle dance, it's will the circle of love be broken? And what Christ did when he came to earth was he left all that he was in heaven to come down and be part of life here on earth. Think about that. Existing eternally in heaven in the throne room with the Father and the Spirit, having all that it means to be Lord of creation and the King of kings. And just saying, no, I'm not going to hang on to that. I'm going to go down there. Wow. You think about it. You ever know somebody and you, you kind of get to know their story? And you, get to, you tell somebody, well, if you only knew, if you only knew where that person is from. If you only knew what they came from. I know a lot of the stories in this, this room. A lot of you have honored me by sharing your stories of brokenness and pain and mistakes and sins and, 
and life that was broken and shattered and how Christ has made it whole again. And so you walk in this room and I see you, but because I know your story, it's like, oh, if you only knew where that person had come from, if you only knew what they'd been through, you would be amazed. So now Christ comes to earth. And now the reality is, if we only knew what Christ gave up, if we only knew. And I think it's important for us to consider that fact. In fact, John, it's sort of like, uh, like those of us who have stories of brokenness and shame in our lives, we go from dark to light in Christ's grace and mercy and forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation. But Christ went from light, the light of heaven, to the darkness. Think about that. John 1.5, it says, yes, the light came into the darkness and the darkness has not understood it. So Jesus didn't, didn't seize on to that equality with God as something that he was going to cling to. So the question number one for us this morning is this. What are you clinging to? What are you clinging to as we enter this Christmas season? What am I clinging to as rightfully mine? Along my earthly journey, I've had... <laughs> I've been able to observe individuals who cling to things and I've watched it poison their soul. We're in Iowa. Talk about things to cling to. How about the family farm? I've done funerals where siblings are in opposite rooms and will not talk to one another because of the fight over clinging to the family land. I talked to one person just a, just a couple months ago who talked about the fact that, that his father and brother were so poisoned in their soul over clinging to the family land that they would, they would cheat and lie and steal and do everything they could to, to hold on to this family land. And he said it's, it, it became a living parable because I chose to just say whatever. Was I hurt? Of course, that I, I wasn't part of it, but I just decided I'm, nothing is really mine. Everything is Christ's. And he said what happened is my father and my brother, because of their lying and their cheating and their stealing to try and cling to it, they lost everything. And I was blessed. I ended up with more than I could have ever imagined. See, Christ kind of did the same thing. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to consider equality with God something to be clung to. I think about children Psychologists, I was reading in the, in the Wall Street Journal this past week about psychologists who were saying that one of the problems that we're experiencing, even in the fact that nobody is working and we have more, millions more jobs than we have actually people willing to work, 
they, psychologists are saying that young people today are not growing up. They're not. They're, be, they're maintaining their childhood status well into their 20s. I'm just gonna cling to, to my life as a child. I don't wanna grow up, I don't wanna get a job, I don't wanna pay my own rent, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be an adult. And I've watched, I've watched parents and have observed parents who cling to their children as though our children are rightfully ours. When my understanding is that my children were given for me to steward. They do not belong to me. They belong to their eternal father in heaven. But they've been given to me as my responsibility to what? Prepare them to launch into whatever it is that God wants them to be. And the more that I cling to them as though they are rightfully mine, well, we come with a living parable. In fact, both me and my child suffer spiritually if I don't get it right. And stuff, we cling to stuff. You know, we try and hold on to it. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. And this Christmas season, what Christ did in leaving heaven to come to earth, to leaving the light, to coming to the dark, to being part of us, that's the example we're supposed to follow. That's part of Christ's likeness to, to leave, to not cling to things as my right, but to surrender myself to, to God in every way. Christ is the, what did we talk about a couple months ago? Christ is the alpha point. Everything comes from him. Christ is the omega point. Everything will eventually flow back to him. And I don't care how hard we try and cling to things, we're going to lose it all. So better to understand that it was never mine to begin with and to understand that everything is Christ. Everything that I own is Christ's. Everything that I have is Christ's. That's the lesson that Christ had here in Philippians chapter two. Next, let's say, let's keep going on here. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Now, the Greek word there is kenosis. Kenoo. And theologians call this the great kenosis. That Christ emptied himself. Think about that. So in not clinging to his rights in heaven, he emptied himself and came to this earth. Think about this. The Lord of all creation became one cell, a human zygote. The light of the world, the light of heaven, spent nine months in the darkness of a young girl's womb. Wow. The king of kings and the Lord of lords was birthed. And think about that. God was birthed in a borrowed barn. 
Talk about emptying yourself. The Christmas story is really about the great emptying. Now, in the, here in the auditorium, we've been, last few years, we've talked about life on these four levels. Level one is my relationship with God, my eternal, internal relationship with Christ is level one, the, the kingdom of self. Level two is the kingdom of, of my life, my circles of influence, my community, my relationships, my family, everything that I touch in my circles of influence, that's, that's level two. Level three are the kingdoms of this world. Commerce and religion and politics and government and business. And then level four is the eternal kingdom of God. So I want to just remind ourselves of that and think about this. Christmas is about Christ on level four emptying himself to come down to level this level three world. That's the beauty of it. The emptying. But do you notice how the enemy, Satan, devil, the prince of this world and the kingdoms of this world, they're always trying to take what God is doing and flip it around and make it 180% the opposite of what it really is. So with Christmas being about emptying ourselves in order to be filled with Christ, and to be, to, Christ emptying himself to be a servant, giving us all that we could ask for and more, well, the prince of this world now takes Christmas to make it all about filling, doesn't it? We're going to fill ourselves. We're going to fill ourselves with food. We're going to fill ourselves with goodies. We're going to fill ourselves with stuff. We're going to fill ourselves with presents. We're going to fill our stockings with stuff. We're going to fill. We're going to fill. We're going to fill. And we're going to fill. But does anyone get to the end of that filling and go, why do I feel so empty? Because the enemy is trying to make Christmas not about what it really is, but what it isn't. So question two, what am I trying to fill myself with this Christmas? When I was five, you know, I think back on kind of armchair psychologist. <laughs> I, I think that at five, being the youngest of four children, and being the one that really didn't have anything that was his own, you know, because I was the one that always got the hand-me-downs. I was the one that always got the, the stuff. And it was my elder siblings that always, always felt like they had more and they got to do more and they, got to, they had all the stuff that older kids get to do that I didn't. And I wonder if there was something in me that's like going, I want to fill myself with something that would be just mine. I want to take what others have and make it about me and fill myself with this money. Yeah, I wonder. I was trying to fill something when I stole that money. And I needed to learn that lesson. So what are you trying to fill yourself? What am I trying to fill myself with? Possessions? We do that. Ego? I mean, come on. Sometimes, let's just be honest, we want to have the most Pinterest-worthy, envy-worthy likes and pictures on Insta and Facebook. Look at, look at my life. Look at my Christmas. How awesome this is. 
Is that ego? We're trying to fill something when we, we do that? Are we trying to fill ourselves with sentimentality? Are we trying to find peace? I remember our daughter Madison, when she was about four, she said, I know what mom wants for Christmas. She wants a piece of calm. Are we trying to find a piece of calm? A piece of peace? Hmm. Let's go on. Next one. It says, but rather he made himself nothing, kenosis, emptying, by taking the very nature of a servant. So it wasn't just what Christ gave up, but what he took up. Think about that. He didn't just give up heaven to be empty. He gave up heaven in order to take up the role of being a servant. Jesus, on the first night of earth, was wrapped in swaddling cloths in that manger, in that barn. On the last night on earth, of his earthly journey, he wrapped himself in cloths, and he got down on his knees, and he washed his disciples' feet. From first to last, Jesus was a servant. And he calls us to do the same. It's what he took up that humbled him. So Christmas is about what we take up as much as what we empty ourselves of. You know, I didn't learn every Christmas lesson when I was five years old. I learned one this year too. You see, uh, our kids not coming home for Christmas. Kids in Scotland, South Carolina, they were here with us last year, so they're not coming home. And can I be honest with you? I was like, so we don't have to decorate? Yeah. And then Wendy informed me that a couple of, that her family, parents and, one sister are coming to our house on Christmas Day. <sighs> do we have to decorate? I even asked Wendy that. Do we have to decorate? <laughs> yes. Okay. So we decorated. And not, we didn't go whole hog, but we decorated. We did it. It was fun. We got stuff out. And then, you know, the couple of people that are coming to our house for Christmas, well, Wendy's like going, you know, I'm going to put out a charcuterie spread for the family and everything. And then my family found out that Wendy's putting together a charcuterie spread and they also are going, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. We're going to have over 15 people in our house on Christmas Day. From nobody, don't have to decorate, to 15 people, where are we going to put everybody? <laughs> and are we going to have enough food? But guess what? I, I'm so excited about taking that up. Because Wendy and I love, we love to have people in our home. We love to be hospitable. We love to enjoy family and friends in our home and to host people. So while I, yeah, I kind of, a little bit of Ebenezer. The truth is that that's something I'm, I, will, I will really willingly take up. Because I love to serve people in our home. So, what am I taking up? 
What am I willing to take up this Christmas? So a couple of action steps to think about. Follow along. If you got the slide, action step number one. I would like to ask us to pray. And maybe you go to the place of prayer. By the way, for those of you who don't know, right down the hallway, uh, out here just to the right, is a place, it's called the place of prayer. And we have prayer ministers that are there on Sunday mornings. And all you have to do is walk in and they will pray with you. They will pray over you. So if there's anything that you need prayer for this morning, just go on down there. They're there until after the 11 o'clock service. Um, and so I'd like us to pray. You don't need to go to the place of prayer, but maybe you want to. And I would ask us to pray, God, what is it that you want me to take up? If Christmas isn't about filling stuff, and it's more about I am emptying myself in order to take something up and to be a servant like you. What does that mean for me? What does that mean? What do you want me to, to take up? And maybe taking up is, uh, is what Chrissy was telling us about. The, you know, the, the prayer, uh, our prayer minister's doing here at the Lighthouse this next weekend. Do you have that graphic? Let's go back to that if, if you've got that. The invite the light. Yeah, December 17th through 19th. We're going to be having people praying around the clock right here in the lighthouse. Sign up. Go, well, how is that taking some? It's, you know what? Taking some time to come for an hour and to pray for our church, pray for our community, pray for our people. That's, that's worthwhile <laughs> to take that up. This church, this ministry is founded on the prayer of our people. We want that. So that's, that's a great action step you might do. To pray, God, what do you want me to take up? Action step number two. And this is more for some reflection this Christmas time. If you'd like to have your quiet time, like to contemplate and meditate, here's the question. List some specific ways that in taking up humanity and taking up being a human being, how did that affect the king of kings? You know, I mentioned a couple of things. He went from light to darkness. He had to be birthed. He had to be dependent on this young woman. What other ways did being human affect the king of kings and the lord of lords? And then what does that inform me about Christ's likeness? And action step number three. We're at the end of the year. Everybody's talking about resolutions. What are we gonna, what's next year look like? 2022. A lot of us have one word that we've been doing for several years. We take one word and focus on that for a year. Maybe this 2022 is about, God, what do you want me to take up? How can I serve in the coming year? How can I serve you, Christ? How can I, where do you want me to use my gifts, my abilities, my resources in order to serve your kingdom? I'm going to ask, um, yeah, ask Trinity to come on up. Where's Trinity? Thank you, young lady. So we're going to, um, we're going to pray. Trinity's going to pray for us. And then the, the worship team is going to come up. They can come on up, worship team. 
And after, as we're worshiping, of course, we'll have our elders and deacons serving communion right over here, as they always do. You're welcome to take communion. But we also have some young people um, that have come to be ministers of blessing this morning. And they're going to position themselves uh, and maybe a couple of their leaders uh, around the room. And as we worship this morning, I would welcome you to, uh, to get up from your seat and go to one of our young people, our young ministers, and they would like to pray a blessing and to bless you this morning. Uh, so feel free to do that and allow them to do that. So Trinity, will you pray for us as we get ready to worship? Hold on a second. Let me get you a microphone here. What did I do with the microphone? There it is. There we go. Lord, help us to bring our needs to you. Thank you that our needs and weaknesses are not upsetting to you. They are what leads us to you. Help us to humble ourselves and allow you to lift us up. Thank you that you, are, that you always receive in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Let's worship together. <laughs> 